Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Casablanca, city of hope and despair. Located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Reno, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. Cat is chowing down his breakfast over there. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't tell if that was you <laughs> eating, like, with her. It's the no, cat. No. Oh, no. He's just like, gobble, 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 gobble. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's into, into it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm... I wish I enjoyed any meal as much as your cat is enjoying yeah. the meal right yeah. now. <laughs> Where are we? All right. Is that better? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter. Uh, my name is Andrew Pierce, and I'm joined by my continued co-host, Dave. Uh, welcome. Thanks for joining me to discuss maybe one of the most important Best Picture winners ever, Casablanca. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I only feel, like, I very rarely feel pressure when I podcast, because who, who gives a shit, right? It's just, like, two dudes talking about movies, but... Our our mutual friend Mike, uh, when I told him I was watching Casablanca, he was like, "Oh, you're finally watching a movie someone has heard of. <laughs> you are finally getting to that point in the Oscars." So so now now I feel a little bit of like, "Oh God, I better I better represent for this episode on Casablanca." One uh, of the I guess I I would say one of the most well known movies of all time. Period across genre, regardless of winning awards or not. This is this is one of the biggies. You know, we talked Citizen Kane a little bit, uh, but luckily we didn't have to talk about it a lot because it didn't win anything. Because you know that movie's a big loser. Who cares about that? With it, with a, a fantastic uh, Criterion Collection cover with it, which is just a, a K. <laughs> I love it. I love that cover. It's perfect. I was talking to another one of our mutual friends, Manish, about that. How he was like, "I love this. It's like." megalomania in a cover like just a giant k yeah i love it it's fantastic that will be their first 4k they're finally joining the future uh and not sticking with just standard blu-ray but citizen kane you know we talked about movies that matter i mean there's a reason they picked that as their very first 4k yeah um but you could make make an argument for a movie like casablanca but i'm sure they just don't have the rights uh, but it's on that level for sure. So now we get to one of the big, big winners in 
in cinema history with Casablanca. So I'm a little, I'm a little excited, a little nervous to talk about this, but I think we can get it done. I love the fact that you are, you are ill, so I get to talk more. So shut up, Andrew. This is where this is the, this is the Dave show. Finally, Damn straight. <laughs> yeah. So, in that regard, give me a rundown of what Casablanca is about, then. Um, because you know we want we want our listeners to have a nice listen. Uh, as people can tell, we chose the for for one of the best best picture winners ever. We we chose uh, the best time for me to get sick. So yeah, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, good good timing. I mean, I guess the best way to explain Casablanca is you know Casablanca is uh, you know it's set in the city of Casablanca, uh, and it's set at Rick's American Cafe, or I guess Rick's Cafe Americaine. Um, if you want to get fancy about it. Um, and it's basically this kind of waypoint, this stop for all these refugees who are trying to escape the war. Um, but then you've got also this, like this government that's attached to this area, trying to like track down all these people. And it's about all the comings and goings, but really it's a, it's a love story, right? We, we are introduced to Rick, um, who was played by Humphrey Bogart, um, and then in walks the ex love of his life, who's now like maybe connected to some other guy who is, you know, one of those people who is on the run from these governments, but also is a very important person in in terms of, you know, fighting back against these horrible governmental agencies that are out to get them. So it's a political story and a love story all at once. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, I guess, the basic the basic rundown of Casablanca, but who hasn't seen Casablanca? It's like it's Casablanca. It's one of the most well-known movies ever. Uh, Andrew, you you've seen this like once, right? That's when you were like twelve years old or something. Yeah, it has been maybe about twenty years since I last saw this film, so effectively, it's like the first time. Um, and so mm. I rewatched it yesterday, and gosh, they they really like it is it is nonsense to say this line, but they really don't make them like this anymore. Like, this film... I thought you were going to come in here with a hot take, Andrew. I was waiting for Andrew to be like, you know what? Casablanca sucks. <laughs> Just come in and guns blazing uh, so I could have someone to fight. Because, yeah, they, they don't make them like this anymore. They really don't. But continue. Yeah, so I was surprised because at the end of this film, I was just like, I literally just put this film on. I literally just pressed play. And now it's over. It moves so quick. Like, it is over before you know it. And it does it in a really exciting manner, in a sense that it just wraps you up in the the fury and the excitement of what's going on. And what I find so interesting is that you're talking about how this is a story about people and the circumstance they're in, but it's also a story about love. But it's clearly, I mean, this is made during World War II and... You know, I was talking about Mrs. Miniver and how that's off the moment and how it's off about trying to get people into war and trying to get people to fight and stuff. But Casablanca is so much more than that. Like, it is it is taking the notions of what Mrs. Miniver is about, which is about what is it to be at home? What is it to, you know, fight for your your family and stuff like that? And it does it in a way which is like, yeah, you know, all right, I got a family, I got a home, I know what that's about. But Casablanca right. is like... It's a very, like, as a father of women, like, exactly. it's very, yeah. you know, yeah. like, everyone can relate to this. This is a little more difficult, I yeah, think. Yeah, but I think that, I think that the key thing is, is so, Casablanca is like, 
okay, but everybody wants to be loved and everybody wants to love. And Mm -hmm. that in itself is a more universal theme. And that is something that I think is really worth fighting for because it's a lot more than like, hey, this rose is pretty nice looking. Like this is a, (laughs) this is a really, really, like I, I know that it is such a wonderful film in a lot of ways, but I was not expecting to be moved by it in the way that it was because it's yeah. so it's so moving in a lot of different ways and not like a really weepy way and I started listening to the Ebert commentary and he's like you know sad films they don't usually make like they don't usually make me cry because I look at it and I go well that's sad but films like this make <laughs> me cry yeah right yeah, this is a movie that, I mean, probably over the years, I've probably seen this like at least 10 or 15 times. Like this is a, it's one of those movies, not just that I go back to, but do you ever do this where you're like, you're just, you're just waiting and biding your time thinking someday this one isn't going to work. Like I'm going to rewatch it and I'm going to be like, eh, it's okay. It's, but it never happens. It's always like, it is one of those films that every time you watch it feels brand new um, and feels revolutionary. Um, in the way it's telling its story, because essentially to me anyway, the most important message of this movie is, is that standing apart from conflict, standing apart from things that matter doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you someone to look up to. It doesn't make your life any better. Like we have our character of Rick, who the whole movie is basically like, just like, I don't get involved. I don't, I'm not, what's the line? I don't stick my neck out for anybody. Right. And it ends up, of course, that there's one somebody that he will stick his neck out for, even if he doesn't want to. Even if he he hates the fact that he loves her, he does, and he cannot deny it. And by the end of this movie, it would be so easy for this movie to be cheesy, right? It's, of course, got one of the greatest endings of all time. You know, the man who lets the woman he loves go and go with this other man because it's it's better for her, it's better for everyone else, and he's got to hold down the fort. And it's an honorable choice that he makes. But it would be very easy for them to end up together. It, would, it, it wouldn't even be a bad movie if that happened. It wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be Casablanca. It wouldn't be what it is. But the way that this movie ends of this man who is constantly saying, I won't stick my neck out for anyone, sticks his neck out for someone and is not rewarded for it, and yet he feels better by the end of the movie. That is an incredible story to tell and almost impossible to pull off. And yet, Michael Curtiz and everyone involved in this movie somehow manages it. And every time I watch this, I keep looking for the for the seams. I keep looking for the strings, for the holes in this movie, and they just, they don't exist. It's, it's, it's like There are very... Yeah, absolutely flawless. Yeah, there are very few... I was just about to say, there are very few movies that I would call perfect. Casablanca is a perfect film. Like, it, it's one of those that it's interesting because, of course, surprise, surprise, Ebert is right, right? That this is a movie that, that almost goes beyond happiness and sadness. Like, this is, this movie is not a, a movie that's, like, actively pulling on your heartstrings. It's like a dull ache. And I think everyone who has been in love and lost love, and not in a way that's, like, supremely painful and, oh, melodramatic, but just that way of, like, this is over and it's never going to be what it is. And it doesn't change the way I feel about you, but this is done. That hurts. That is real pain. And you, and Bogart is the perfect choice 
to play this role, to play this like distant man, but also like it's it's an incredible performance because you have just enough present day stuff and you have just enough flashback. Like it's so perfectly paced. But the scenes in the flashback, they don't do anything to change his face, to do anything with makeup, but because of the way he lights up when he's around her and when he's in love, he looks 10 years younger. And it is a just an incredible performance from Bogart. Bogart has a litany of great performances if you go back and watch his career. But, you know, it feels cheesy to say, but Casablanca is his best performance. Like, of course it is. It's one of the best movies ever made, so of course it's going to have one of the best performances. And Ingrid Bergman is also wonderful in this she movie. Is, just, yeah. just a stunning yeah. and subtle performance. Again, both of these roles would be so easy to overplay your hand, and neither of them ever do. Like, you just... It's a movie you just sit in and you just are surrounded by and you're so happy to be there. Even when bad things happen to good people, you're still just like, I just want to hang out in this cafe. And like, are there some problematic race elements? Yeah, for sure. But given the time, it's actually not not too rough. And to see that character of Sam like stand up for Rick, like when she comes in, is really, really moving. You know, like his immediate reaction of like, you know, just, just, just stay away. Don't, don't do this. He's been through enough. Has it, haven't you done enough? Yeah. I don't know if there really is that much um, of a, of a problematic representation in this film. I felt there wasn't mostly because it is a very European uh, cast setting. Obviously this was filmed in America and Michael Curtiz is a, uh, Hungarian director, which is uh, something I want to touch on in a moment as well. But before I do that, I want to talk about Bogart briefly and, and ask you a question, pose you a question. One of the things that kind of stuck out to me about watching it this time around was how cool he is. And, like, when I think about cool characters, I didn't usually consider him, mostly because it's been so long since I've seen this, but now... All I can think of is how cool his character is. What makes Rick such a cool person to you? Hmm. Well, I think actually one of the things that makes him really cool, and I would argue that he's cool until he's very not. Uh, when he <laughs> when he gets drunk and is like ranting and raving, not not cool, not not smooth, not subtle at all. But everything up to that, I totally agree with you. And I think there's this air of self confidence that he has. Even when he should be threatened, he's not, right? There's guns going off in the bar. There's this woman who wants to be with him, and he's, he's she's freaking out and screaming and yelling, and he's just, like, kind of takes her by the arm, like, you're going home now. Like, we're done here. He's not going to get abusive. He's just going to, but he's going to tell her very firmly, we're, I'm not going to have this in my place. And even the stuff, um, even the, the race stuff that I mentioned before, you essentially have a character show up and try to purchase this man from him, essentially. And... He has the absolute coolest response you could possibly have. Not like, no, that's my piano player and that's my friend, but just goes up to him and goes like, hey, this guy wants to wants to pay you some more. What do you want to do? Gives him the opportunity. Gives him, you know, a sense of, uh, a sense of independence. Like, hey, if you want to go, you can go. Like, that's no big deal to me. I want you to live your life and be happy, right? So he has... He has this distance, right, which automatically makes a person cool. Just like, I'm kind of above this all. I'm not getting involved. But also when he has to get involved, 
he does it in the right way. So yeah, when he gets drunk, he kind of loses it a little bit. But when he decides to do the right thing at the end of this movie, he goes right back to being cool, man. He is like he he says all the right things in order to get what get done what needs to be done. Right? He's not being completely honest about his feelings for sure, but he knows that this is the best thing for her. So he's going to play it cool. So he just manages to plan everything out even when he's in a difficult situation. And like, what's cooler than that? It's like pressure under fire. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things which stuck out to me, because of course we talked about Yankee Doodle Dandy in the last episode, and I didn't realize that Curtis was Hungarian born. And what stuck out to me about that film, of course, was the hope of America, the, the aspirations of America and how great America could be. And that's something that really sticks out in this film as well, is that, he manages to create a narrative that is about the hope that America was built on and the strength of the words that are on the Statue of Liberty. And he's clearly a man who believes in the land of hope and dreams. And he fills each of the characters in this particular film with that hope. And it's not just because America is a safe place that they can go to. Um, a neutral territory in some ways. Um, but there is a clear feeling of like, geez, if you're a refugee, you can come here and you'll be okay. And mm-hmm. that's something that's really beautiful. And it's really, it's really something that I think that you can walk away from a film from Casablanca and of course, Yankee Doodle Dandy and have that belief that it's going to be a great place to be. And that's what I love Mm -hmm. about Michael Curtiz as a director, because he manages to slide all of these things into his films in a way that doesn't feel obvious. And it's such a personal thing for him. Like, you can clearly see that it's a personal thing for him because it's woven into the fabric of the film itself to the point where there is a scene which I think is utterly vital to the film. I mean, obviously, all the the scenes are vital. But I think it's vital to the film to allow you to understand why Rick would do what he does at the end. And it's a scene with the Bulgarian wife who is like, my husband is in the gambling room spending all of our money to try and get us tickets to get out of here. What can you do to help me? And Rick goes in there and he's like, put all your money on 22. What kind of a man is Captain Reynaud? Oh, he's just like any other man, only more so. No, I mean, is he trustworthy? Is his word? Oh, just a minute. Who told you to ask me that? He did. Captain Reynaud did. I thought so. Where's your husband? At the roulette table, trying to win enough for our exit visas. Oh, of course, he's losing. How long have you been married? Eight weeks. We come from Bulgaria. Well, things are very bad there, monsieur. The devil has the people by the throat. So, Jan and I, we... We did not want our children to grow up in such a country. And so you decided to go to America? Yes, but we have not much money, and... Traveling is so expensive and difficult. It was much more than we thought to get here. And then Captain Renault sees us, and he is so kind, he wants to help us. Yes, I'll bet. He tells me he can give us an exit visa, but... But we have no money. Does he know that? Oh, yes. And he's still willing to give you a visa? Yes, monsieur. And you want to know? Will he keep his word? He always has. Oh. 
Monsieur, you are a man. If someone loved you very much, so that your happiness was the only thing that she wanted in the world, she did a bad thing to make certain of it. Could you forgive her? Nobody ever loved me that much. And he never knew. And the girl kept this bad thing locked in her heart. That would be all right, wouldn't it? Do you want my advice? Oh, yes, please. Go back to Bulgaria. Oh, but if you knew what it means to us to leave Europe, to get to America. Oh, but if Jan should find out. He is such a boy. In many ways, I, I am so much older than he is. Yes, well, everybody in Casablanca has problems. Yours may work out. You'll excuse me. Thank you, monsieur. Do you wish to place another bet, sir? No, no, I guess not. Have you tried 22 tonight? I said 22. Marquons les jeux. Fini. 22. Noir, père et passe. 22. Leave it there. Marquons les jeux, mesdames et messieurs. Les jeux sont faits. Marquons les jeux. La partie continue. Marquons les jeux. Les jeux sont faits. Rien ne va plus. 22. Noir, père et pas. Cash it in and don't come back. Rien ne va plus, monsieur. Fini. Are you sure this place is honest? Honest? As honest as the day is long. Without that scene, I don't think that the steps that are, are taken to allow him to understand, well, to allow the audience to understand why he would give these t tickets of passage, essentially, uh, to two people, the person that he loves, why he would do that. Without that scene, it wouldn't make sense. Um, but it's a vital scene, and it's a vital scene in a way that feels so deeply personal. I don't know whether it is personal to Curtis or not, uh, or whether it's part of the original... Um, I think this was based on a stage play or something like that, um, but... It was it was based on an unproduced stage yeah. play. It was never performed, but yes. It was technically written before, before sure. this. But, yeah, and yeah. so, you know, there's there's a lot that Curtis is bringing to the, the, the script, um, and I think in those moments we get to see what he sees in America, what he sees in the society of America and what he also feels about having left home as well. And it's a, this is a really, it's a really difficult film to watch. Um, like yesterday was a very difficult film to watch as I was getting, you know, phone alerts of what's going on in Afghanistan. And it's like, this is not a deep and heavy film. But on the same hand, it makes you think about life so much more. Yeah, I would argue that it is a deep and heavy film, but it's subtly woven into this, right? Um, because all the things you're saying are true. Like, you can watch this and just be like, well, that was a nice love story, right? Or you can watch this a little bit closer. Like, I think, you know, from a from a larger perspective, probably the most important scene is the scene where I'll butcher this pronunciation, but they they play La Marseillaise or the, the you know the the moment where all the French join in, right? And um, it's one, it's really important because it it promotes this idea. You mentioned patriotism earlier, and this is a subtle way of talking about freedom and quote unquote the American way without it being about America, 
right? And it being all encompassing. And it's it's another moment, just like that moment, the gambling moment, where it's a blink and you miss it moment. They're about to play it, and the band looks to Rick for his okay. And he very easily could have been like, we're going to stay out of this. I'm not sticking my neck out for anybody. But he just nods his head and goes, okay, right? And it's this kind of tacit um, accepting of the fact that this is important. This is a moment that needs to happen. And again, it's another thing that leads to his final decision. Like the most important thing about his final decision is, of course, his romantic relationship. Right. But there's so much more to it than that. This is not solely a love story. This is known as one of the greatest love stories of all time. But I mean, this could be known as one of the most patriotic or one of the best war pictures without war ever made. Like this, this is as engrossing and says more about taking a stand than maybe every war picture that's ever been made. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take this over any, any standard war movie in terms of like doing the right thing and standing up. Like this is it, man. This is and it. I think some of that weirdly goes unnoticed because I think sometimes when a movie is known as one of the greatest of all time, I think people hand wave it away. Like, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, of course it's good. Anyway, and you don't think about it because you're like, yeah, everyone thinks it's good. It must be good. Whatever. I'm not going to fight it because I enjoyed my time. But there is a lot under the surface in this movie that's more than just Bogart and Ingrid Bart. Oh, so much more. Like, there's there's yeah. a lot going on. And I think, that, I think that his nod to say, yes, play that song is his act against the Nazis in a way as well because yeah. he... He doesn't, you know, while he's in Casablanca, he, he can't fire a shot. Um, you know, his, his defense there is, is limited. And yet, because of those flashbacks, because of what we get to see about him and learn about him, we know that this song in itself, this proof of culture, this proof of history, life, and celebration of the French people will be his version of a shot. And... Right. I, I find that so beautiful in a lot of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And it also leads into, you know, the the person, because of, of this is unoccupied France area, and that, that lead character, um, Claude Rains, I believe it is, uh, yeah, uh, Captain Renault, who is effectively, mm-hmm. um, you know, is trying to run the whole place, and he is... You know, being a nice guy to the Germans while he's also trying to run the whole entire town and God, stuff. He's so charming in this movie. He is so charming. It's so great opposite of Bogart. Because Bogart is cool, but he's also very abrasive. Uh, and Claude Rains is kind of the opposite. He's not cool at all, but you get why he ends up getting stuff done. Because he's like, he's kind of, he kind of glad hands everybody throughout the entire, entire film. But he's, he's really very works. much like, no, you're going to do this now in a nice way. And it's like... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Sure. I didn't expect I was okay. going to do that. I guess okay. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then. Yeah. I think another thing that stands out about Bogart here is like you mentioned, I bring it up because you had mentioned this idea of like, this is his shot across the bow, right? This is the one, the one stand he can take. Um, and it's so interesting because for a man who like, I don't want to get involved. I'm keeping my distance. He has every opportunity to hand over this, you know, these, these travel passports, essentially, where you can go anywhere. He's got them for the whole movie. At any point, he could just hand it over and be done with all this. But he chooses to hold on to them. And I would argue that it's not simply to have a trump card. But it's to, you know, it's to do the right thing. 
Like he is, whether he would admit it or not, he is always looking to take a stand, even when he knows it is not the smart thing to do. Because all through this movie, there are numerous opportunities for him to do the smart thing for his own survival. And he actively chooses not to do it. And by the end of the movie, he not only actively chooses not to do that, he actively chooses to stand up against a totalitarian regime, which is a it's one of the bravest acts you'll see on film. And I think, again, it goes under the radar because he's so fucking cool about everything. And the way he pulls it off is like, yeah, I got this, guys. But like, it's really gutsy and really brave. And it's it's one of it's it's one of those endings that. No matter how many times you see it, some movies have endings that have twists. And this is a twist, right? The way this ends. But some movies have these twists and you're like, okay, now I saw the twist. Okay, now I'm done. Um, I don't need to watch this again. But watching his performance here is like, it's like watching a masterclass in acting. Like it's, it's absolutely incredible. And the acting really does carry this movie. It's not, to me, it's not the direction. It's not the cinematography. Like Ebert has been quoted talking about it's the movie's kind of astounding because there's almost not a single shot you can call out where you're like, yeah, there's the moment. Like, I guess the closest thing is the the two guys like walking away, but it's a very simple shot of two men walking away off an airport hangar. Like that's maybe the most memorable visual moment in the whole movie. The rest of this is propelled by, by acting and propelled by story. And it's insane as well that, I mean, it was only, um, Claude Rains and Bogart that were nominated for awards, and they didn't win. Neither of them won. Um, they lost to uh, Watch on the Rhine and The More the Merrier, and uh, Bergman was nominated for Whom the Bell Tolls. Um, which, you know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's insane that a film this great only won three awards. Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Script. Um, but it is, you know, it, it comes back to the testament of being like, well, it doesn't matter how many awards that you've won. As long as it's the main one, that's the one that kind of stands out. And that's the one that people will remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't, you know, I obviously love this movie, but like I wouldn't have been mad if Michael Curtiz didn't win for this. Like I, I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's a an accomplished directed movie, but it's not something that really stands out. And I'm still kind of glad that he won for this because it is a one of the greats. But it's, it's almost nice that this year, because I think this leads us into talking about all these other movies I forced myself to watch. It's kind of nice that this year um, is actually very underwhelming because like it makes Casablanca stand out even more. And like I have to gi- I have to give you some respect, Andrew, because the one movie that we're also going to cover in this kind of set is the only other movie that's that's really any good. Uh, and it only the, got nominated in for this one year. award. <laughs> Oh, it's, insane. it's crazy. Um, so like, so I watched all these movies for home. The bell tolls is a bad movie, like an actively bad movie. Bergman is bad in it. Everyone is bad in it. It's poorly directed. It's poorly written. It's, um, it kind of takes a book and just kind of takes like 20% of it and makes it into a movie. It's bad. Uh, heaven could wait is all right. It's silly. It's a silly little it comedy nice. slice of life yeah. movie. It's nice. Um, human comedy is terrible. Like, just obnoxiously saccharine. Just a bad movie. In Which We Serve is fine. It's a Noel Coward movie. It's a standard war picture. Madame Curie is a bad uh, biopic. Um, the More the Barrier is nice. That's a nice movie. I wouldn't have minded that one being a little more more known. 
Um, the Song of Bernadette has a great lead performance in a bad movie. Uh, I think you're seeing a, you know, a theme here. Lots of bad movies. Walk, watch on the Rhine, also not great. So really, the only one that's that's worth its salt in any way to me um, is this and the Oxbow Incident. Like, and they're both to me, they are both five star movies. Casablanca is better, but like only marginally so. And that should tell you what I think about the Oxbow Incident because this is one of the greatest movies ever made. But like in general, kind of a shit year. Like the whole time I'm watching these movies, keep waiting for something good. And I made the mistake of watching the Oxbow incident first. Um, so, so, and, and because I was being, I was, I'm going to be really honest. I was being very lazy because the Oxbow incident as we're recording is also a movie that is leaving the Criterion channel at the end of the month. Um, so I was writing a piece on it for In Session Film. So I was like, oh, I can knock both these out at once. I got to watch it for Andrew. I'm going to watch it for this. Great. And then, of course, it, we'll talk about it, but it's fantastic. But then everything else I watched, I was like, ah, thank God I saved Casablanca. Because I was like, okay, I need something good. Because this year, it's really bad. It's so weird because at the top of that year, just phenomenal movies that will be remembered forever. And then a, a bunch of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like just scattered throughout so it was i am now extra grateful that soon there will only be five nominees because i sat through like nine movies that were not yeah (laughs) well exactly you know it's it's just a it's nice to see that you know the following year they decided maybe we shouldn't be doing you know 10 11 12 nominees maybe we should just reduce it down to five and maybe we should pick some good movies. yeah (laughs) yeah and i think i mean one of the main aspects of that is that you know, especially when it comes to a film like Casablanca, which visually, as you're saying, isn't really that astounding. They reuse sets. Um, you know, it, it uh-huh. is very kind of uh, workmanlike in the sense that the sets were yeah. reduced to, to bare bones in a lot of ways. Um, there was a shortage of nails. There was a shortage of wood and stuff like that. All of these things that had to go off to war. So it's almost a miracle in a way that it looks as great as it does. Even the models look really good too. And that's one of the things, again, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't mean to retell all of Ebert's commentary, but it's one of the things which he mentions in the sense that like, oh, when a plane is flying in the air, it's physically impossible for the people to be staring up and looking at the plane at this point. All right. At the angle that it's flying. But it doesn't matter because it's, you know, the story itself is so strong that... It doesn't matter. It's not about those yeah. finessing of uh, the finessing of those kinds of aspects of the creative aspects. It's about the heart of it. It's about the the right. humanity of it, and mm-hmm. that's why it works so well. It is it is a genuine masterpiece of cinema, and it's hard to talk about because, as you were saying before, you come to these films and, um, you know, we we watch them and you kind of feel, oh, that's Casablanca, you know, yada yada. It would just tick that off. But there is so much more to it. It is such a brilliant film in a lot of different ways that I think that um, I think that it kind of leads into the next kind of thing which I want to touch on, which is one of the enduring things that we we talk about with this particular show. In all the the films that we've watched, how many times do you think they've actually gotten it right? Because they've clearly gotten it right here. But how many times do you think they've gotten it right? <sighs> Um, I think, well, it's, it's a hard question to answer, right? Because like, are you asking, did they get it right with the nominees they yeah, had with the nominees or did they, they get it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
I would say there. I mean, I would say. I mean, it's hard to remember all the complaints that I've had because <laughs> I complain all the time. Uh, but I'd say they're about like, you know, thirty to fifty percent right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like there's there's usually there's usually at least like and usually they don't pick like the worst one. Usually it's like my second or third choice, except for Gone with the Wind, that was, which is like the accepted, one of the most amazing movies ever made, according to everyone mm, else. So what the yeah. fuck do I know? <laughs> but um, that's the one that stands out where I'm like, yeah, they, they got it wrong five times over. Um, but like this one, they definitely got it right. Like there's an argument to be made for the Oxbow incident. Absolutely. Um, but I do think they really got it right. And what, one thing, there's two things that I kept thinking about as you were talking and we were talking is one that like, this is maybe the greatest use of a single song in movie history. Like it should get old. It, for the When they play it for the sixth time, you should be like, okay, that's enough. But because it's tied into emotion, it is, I mean, everyone who's ever been in a powerful romantic relationship has a their song, right? You have that one that you connect over and this like laces it into the script of the movie that like, okay, we're going to replay this and we're going to replay it in parts. We're going to have moments where you start to play it and Rick comes in ranting and raving, like stop playing that song. Or you played it for her. You're going to play it for me. Like just so angry about everything. And it becomes a stand in for their relationship. And what a powerful way to do that. So Ingrid Bergman can be off screen for 35 minutes, but that song has played three times. So both you and Rick cannot forget her. Right? And it's such a wonderful way to accomplish this. Play it once then. For all time's sake. I don't know what you mean, Miss Elsa. Play it then. Play as time goes by. Oh, I can't remember it, Miss Elsa. I'm a little rusty on it. I'll hum it for you. Sing it, Sam. You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh. The fundamental things apply as time goes by. And the other thing I kept thinking is like, how easy would this be to make Laszlo a villain, to make him the bad guy? But they never do. He is a man who's doing the right thing, who is never in all of this, is never at fault. And neither is she for, quote unquote, cheating on her husband. She thought he was dead. She had to try and move on. So, like, it's a fantastic way to make absolutely everyone blameless and yet have everyone blame one another, like, for what's going on, like... He blames her because she disappeared. Valid, right? She blames him for, like, hating her for all these years when in her mind she didn't have a choice, right? There's nothing she could have done that was different. Like, I guess maybe she could have talked to him and told him, okay, this is my life story. This is this is why I'm leaving. But then he would have tried to get her to stay, and she knows in her heart she would have stayed because she loves him more than she loves her husband, right? And what a what a weight to carry with you. Right. No one in this, even though he sends her off free and lets her live her life, she doesn't leave free. She doesn't leave baggageless. She knows that she still loves Rick and that if he would have done things different, she would have stayed with him or taken him with her. 
So now she has to go back to her life on the run with this leader of the resistance and know that back in Casablanca, there's this man who loves her and she loves him, but they can't be together. What a painful end. Like, it's so interesting because this is known as one of the most romantic movies ever made. But it's like maybe one of the most bittersweet endings I've ever seen on film. And again, it never lets up. No matter how many times you watch this, it still stings. Like, I watch this and even though I know how it's going to end, you're still kind of rooting for Rick to to make a different choice. Because you're like, you two should, uh, you're so good, you should be together. And also, you want him to be honorable. You want him to do the right thing. So you're torn between the romantic part of your soul and the empathetic, kind part of your soul. And you want both, but you have to make a choice. I think there's two things as well that I think is really impressive as well. Is that whenever, again, Laszlo could be a villain, but he's not. And there's a few small little creative choices here that actually show how strong a character he is and how important he is to the resistance. Yeah. He has a scar on his face, mm-hmm. a very little scar, but it just hints at the kind of the pain that he's, he's been, been through. through it. He's been through mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. And he's a good person. And that's the other thing is we want him to succeed. We want him to get to America to try and help the resistance from there to, to strengthen the resistance. And, you know, I think Rick knows clearly that this is bigger than him. It's bigger than both of them. And that's something that he needs to relinquish. The other aspect of humanity, which I find really, um, I find really poignant as well, uh, alongside the song that keeps on getting repeated, is the power of a single tear. You know, every so often we'll get a shot of Bergman with a tear rolling down her face, or like when the um, the song, the French song, is playing, and we get a glimpse of Yvonne standing there at the bar, and this single tear is dropping down her face, and it's like these people living in a town or a city that they are kind of bottling up their emotions, and that's the way that it's it's seeping out. It's you know they are. They are trying as best as they can to um, stifle it down because they know that if they let it go, it might just not stop. And right. I think that that in itself is so clearly evident because there is so much um, strength and humanity within each of these people, yet there is so much vulnerability and there is so much at stake for everybody that is clear in their right. eyes as they're walking around like we want to get out of this place. You know, we don't want to be here, but we're here and we don't know what's going to happen. And now the Germans are here and the threat is real and it's palpable and we feel it within them. And that's what makes it so much stronger. Yeah. And that's the other thing they do really well in this movie is very quickly setting the stakes. Like there is a sequence with essentially a stranger like running from the police and they just shoot him in cold blood. They, they, you know, they, they shoot him in the back, essentially. And it's like, oh, shit is serious here. Like, this is not, this is not just like everyone's too cool for school and everyone's going to be fine. There are going to pe- be people who are in real danger. And you mentioned this idea of not only like if they do let all that emotion out, it's never going to stop. But also, if you let all that emotion out, you're marking yourself as someone who's involved in this. And like letting a single tear go, you can hide. But breaking down and crying about this, you can't. 
you know and it's just like it's such a powerful movie and it does have so many levels like it's one of those movies one of the few the more i watch it the more i get from it and that is the mark of great cinema to me is like because there are great movies that you can watch once or twice and you're like okay i got it I, I got what this movie is putting down. I'm good now. Casablanca is not that movie. If you have only seen this once and you feel like you've learned everything there is to learn about Casablanca, I'm here to tell you you're wrong. You have not. There is there is more to it than you think. This is not just a love story. This is not just a war story. This is, as you so succinctly put it, this is a story about humanity and about the reasons that we stand up and what we put ourselves through for honor, for love, for life. And it, it takes it takes it all in, and it's a it's also a movie that keeps you on your toes. I remember thinking um, that Peter Lorre was going to be a big part of this movie because um, he's so recognizable. Peter Lorre uh, plays Ugarte in this, who is essentially shot at and then arrested, and then never makes another appearance in the movie. He just disappears. He's there to provide these things to Rick that he keeps hidden, and that's it. So you just never know when a person is going to enter and stay. Or enter and never return. Um, and that is, I mean, that's essentially Rick's Café Americaine in in one sentence, right? Some people are going to stay there and get stuck. Some people are going to come and leave rather quickly. And it's the, every time I think about this movie, there's a different scene that stands out. And one of the scenes that really stands out to me is there's a sequence that solidifies Laszlo as a good guy, right? There's someone who comes to, to sell his jewelry to him to find a way out. And at first he's like, no, 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 I'm not going to help you out. And then he shows him he's part of the resistance. And the way that his face changes and the steps that he takes after that matter. Um, And, you know, not only helping out a complete stranger, but also, you know, sharing a drink with him and being kind to him and connecting with him at the bar. Um, And then the movie, of course, does a wonderful job at, again, upping the stakes because all of a sudden... You know, a man in uniform shows up and you see everything change and you see everyone straighten up and be like, no, no, oh, we're just having some champagne. Everything's fine. Don't, don't worry about us. You know, and it's this movie is full of fantastic performances. Like there's not a weak performance in this movie. Even people who are only there for one scene, man, they bring it. That scene you mentioned with the the gambling scene with the with the with the Bulgarian wife, like, oh, my God, what a performance. And I mean, she's got what, five, ten lines. But you remember her forever. But even the husband as, as well, who has no lines, and all we see of him is sitting at the table, and the look on his face is like I'm losing, and my wife and my future is on the line right now, and yeah, if it's I all lose, going down the drain, this is it. Yeah. And then when mm-hmm. he starts to win, and he can't even believe it, he doesn't know what's going on, and the look on his face is like, oh, we're going to be safe. And yeah, and you see, you see Bogey like willing him to shut up, like just don't, don't react, just take your money and leave. It's time to go. Like again, so cool, so much cooler than anyone else involved in this place, you know. And it's just God, what, what a movie, man. This is. I feel like you know, in a, um, in the the newest Tarantino movie, Pacino. Like what a picture. Like that's how I feel like when I watch this movie. I'm just like, yeah, this is it. And it it's so nice when a movie like this. A movie as well known as this doesn't disappoint because you almost can't help but be underwhelmed when when you watch a movie and you're like, hey, this is one of the five greatest films ever made. 
enjoy how do you not have high expectations how do you not go into this with like all right you better be good and then it is and it's somehow it's somehow it's better than you expect like that is a great movie that even with those sky high expectations this is a movie and i think it's not just because it's better than you think it is but it's so different than you think it is if you've never seen casablanca and someone tells you you should watch this no matter what you're expecting, I can tell you that you're wrong. Like, it's not the movie that you think it's going to be. And that's such a that's such a revelation when it comes to when it comes to people like us who've watched a lot of movies. Right. It's so rare to be so taken aback and so surprised by a movie. And I'm still surprised by it. And I've seen it double digits. And every time I watch it, I kind of forget how good it is. And I kind of forget the twists and turns yeah, it takes. Yeah, I think for me, like having taken so long to come to this film, there is that anxiety of it. And certainly looking at the best picture winners to come, I think that's the, the not anxiety, but the stress of, of coming to best picture winners, you know, certainly they should be Titans of cinema. They should be the monuments. They should be the, the Shakespeare's of cinema, essentially the pinnacles. But then in a lot of ways, they are dragged down by your, you know, really average films that win Best Picture. And it should, you know, makes films like Casablanca stand out even more, but it makes it even more, you know, if you're young or if you're, even if you're old and you're coming to Casablanca new, there is still that kind of, oh, is this going to be good? Is this going to be great? Who knows? It's been built up so much. And and don't you think that this is a movie that gets better as you get older? It will do. Like yeah. this is this is not it's not a young person's movie. Like I I saw it I think for the first time when I was 18 and I really liked it. But like man, that relationship hits different when you're in your 40s. Like it's like yeah, I get that now. Like I you know, the the one that got away, the 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 doing the honorable thing for the betterment of someone else is not something you do when you're 18. Right? But you could do that in your 30s and 40s. Like, I watched it now, and I was just kind of amazed at how much more I liked it. I think, like, on I think on Letterboxd, because I did this thing when I first got Letterboxd, is I went through all the movies that I had seen and just started rating them without rewatching them. And I think I gave this four and a half stars, and I watched Ooh. it again, and I was like, Dave, no. <laughs> no, this is a five-star movie. It's perfect. Like, and it was like, what are you, trying to be cool about this? And I probably was thinking about it as my 18-year-old self was. And like, yeah, that was a really good movie. But now I watch it and I'm like, okay, that is a great film. And I don't know what I was thinking. This is one of this. Ooh, I have to think about it, but this could be the best movie we've seen so far. Nah, I mean, Rebecca's still there. Like that's still, that's going to be a hard film to beat for me, but it is second. It I don't is no man. Second. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think this might beat it for me. God, it's so good. And I, again, I was just so surprised that just, how great this was. And I'd be interested to hear what you think in a couple of years when you rewatch Rebecca, because that was your first, your first watch of it. So it's like very, it's very visceral. And it makes me wonder, are you still going to have that reaction on second watch? Like you have with this? I hope so. But I hope we'll so. And I think, I yeah, think both I hope of so those too. films are ones that I can understand why people revisit them as they get older, you know, in your sixties and seventies, you go Casablanca will yeah. make me remember my own past even though i was not around during world war ii never been to casablanca no but it will make me think of my own past and that's the main thing totally. so the obvious question totally. then Dave, hey. um 
Nope, doesn't matter. Stupid doesn't. movie. Who cares? No one will ever remember. No, it, of course. It's of maybe course the it film like, this, that matters the most. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of, especially in terms of Oscars, in terms of great films, like, you, I mean, there is a reason. There are many reasons, but there is a reason that this movie is always, always, always featured on those Oscar clips, right? The, here's looking at you, kid. The, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. So it's just because they're really memorable, great lines. But also, this is it, man. This is, especially for American, like, this is American cinema, like, distilled down to, like, an hour and 40 minutes. That's the other thing, by the way. I expected this to be much longer. I forgot that this is a less than yep. two hour movie. It, it's so like, quick. This just flies, so man. Quick. It books. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And by the way, you brought up the next year's Oscars. I just looked and now I've just, I just know I'm going to be mad. I haven't even seen the movie that won. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but there's already a couple other nominees that I'm like, seriously, that didn't win. Oh, God, this is just going to piss me off, isn't it? God damn it. <laughs> and there is a film on there that we'll be covering, which I think uh, is quite interesting, but that's that's future episode stuff. Um, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get Let's there. Let's not rush ahead. So does it matter? Of course does it, it matter, does. Andrew? Of course it matters. Yeah, okay. it is. It is. To me, this is the kind of film that when we talk about the Oscars, it is the kind of film that we think about when we talk about the Oscars, and we, we hold up every other winner to this. Well, yeah. every other winner yeah. to a point. And I think, I mean, it's a long way, way away. But I think of, you know, when we hit maybe the 2010s and stuff like that, and then we look at Moonlight and Parasite, they're the modern winners that I think are the equals of Casablanca in the sense that, mm. you know, we're going to hold up. I think one of those yeah. is. I think yeah. one of those is. I won't tell you well, which one. I know one, which but one, but that's fine. Is. But I think... <laughs> they don't. Keep the mystery alive, Drew. They don't know me. They're just some... I'm just some American interloper on this Australian podcast. They don't know me. Yeah, I know. You don't like the foreign <laughs> films. It's okay. It's okay. You can be... That's okay. Um, true. True. But I think that... Only the ones that don't win, like Pan's Labyrinth. Those are the yeah, ones I like. Yeah, it wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, but that's fine. Um but I think this is what we think of, and we hold up the benchmark of yeah. every other film to Casablanca and say, you're not Casablanca. You know, you're greatest show yeah. on earth. What are you doing here? You're not Casablanca, that kind of thing. Yankee Doodle Dandy, you're not Casablanca. Exactly. And, and one of the things I said, you know, kind of coyly in the last episode was that some might say that Michael Curtis won as a makeup for Yankee Doodle Dandy. I was just joking. No. No, no one, one has ever said, said that, that before you no, said that. That was I'm the first joking. time. Yes. Right. <laughs> Casablanca is a win for itself. Anyway, um, yes. you can find us on Twitter, Awardstone Pod. Uh, what, what are we doing next before oh, we get into yeah, Twitter? Right. What are we doing yeah. next? Yeah. We are doing... What kind of show are you running around here? Get yeah. it together, will you? <laughs> These bloody cough medicine drugs, they're making my head go crazy. That's right. I'm going to re-listen to this and say, what are you talking about? Casablanca was terrible. Um <laughs> the Oxbow Incident is what we're doing next, which uh, is the last film to only to receive a nomination only for Best Picture. So, yeah, and you should you should watch it before you listen to our episode. It's it's, it's right now. Depending, on, it's on yeah. Criterion, and I think it's available like on, I YouTube. Watch it on YouTube. It's like, yeah. isn't it? And isn't it like eighty seven um, minutes? Like it no, is so short. It, it is flies. shorter than that, which is one of the things. Seven, 77, seventy minutes, seventy yeah. seven minutes. Yeah, I think. seventy seventy five. Yeah. minutes. so yeah. yeah, it is. Um, it's yeah. getting An shorter every time that we minutes. mention this, the running length. Um, that's right. 
That's shorter than most like pilots of TV yep. shows. So you have no excuse not to watch this. I it's watched great. this on the same day that I watched that Zack Snyder zombie film, and I was like, I could have watched Oxbow Incident twice. Boy, you 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 made some choices. I made, I made that day. a lot of choices that day. <laughs> one of the one of them was good. One of them was yeah. a good choice, and one of them was a Zack Snyder movie. So that why would you do Who that knows? to yourself? I still haven't watched that uh, one. Look, yeah. Jesus anyway, Christ. Oxbow Incident is what we're watching next. Uh, it is on YouTube. It's on Criterion Channel. You would do yourself a favor by watching this film. It is genuinely great. And usually we don't kind of heavy load these things, but I think that this is an undervalued film in a lot of different ways. So watch oh, it yes. before our next Definitely. episode. Um, Badger Dave on Twitter at Darn That Dave. Um, Badger me on Twitter yes. at The Curb AU. And then Badger both of us collectively at Awards Don't Pod. Um, and listen to previous episodes at thecurb.com.au. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, my Absolutely. Yeah. You should you should go see go see Andrew online and he'll probably be talking about like Fortnite in Marvel yeah, movies or some nonsense. See, so you can tell, you can tell <laughs> where my, my, my peak of my feverish state is where I start I know. Out. Now that I'm hearing you, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. He's not where well right now. <laughs> He's not well. <laughs> Yeah, but find us Awards Note Pod, The Curb AU, and Darn That Dave. We will be, uh, we might not be nice, but we'll be sure to yeah, respond. Exactly. So you, we have that guarantee from us. So hit Although us up. some people are surprised how nice I can be. So, you know, I'm glad that I'm not well, the I won't be. I will, bal- I will balance this out. I will be mean. You'll be good cop. Happy I'll be bad to do cop. that. That so, sounds good. Thanks, correct. guys. We'll see you in the next one. If you don't mind, you fill in the names. That'll make it even more official. You think of everything, don't you? And the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. But why my name, Richard? Because you're getting on that plane. I don't understand. What about you? I'm staying here with him till the plane gets safely away. No, Richard, no. What has happened to you? Last night we said... Last night we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But, Richard, no one... Now, you've got to listen to me. You have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid, Major Strauss, I would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have, we... We lost it until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Ah, no. Is looking at you, kid. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzcastNetwork.com for details.